Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. This, this, I'm looking forward to this. This is a, this is an important meeting, I think. With a couple of uh, topics and things, so uh, making sure I'm not just babbling away whilst I babble away. <laughs> Hi, Morris. Morris. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. And you? Uh, you know, living and learning. <laughs> yeah. It's good to join you guys. You too. Thanks for joining us. Say hey, hi. So what I require from you mm. is a formal introduction. Hey. My name's James Waters. I'm from uh, Treaty 8 Territory up at Sucker Creek First Nations. Uh, I was adopted and... Uh, yeah, I got the Waters last name now, and uh, and I've been in Vancouver Island here for a little over, well, almost thirty years, I guess, off and on. So, uh, really like it here. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> okay, uh, my name is uh, Giltamai. Mm. That's my feast hall name, my potlatch name, from the Highs uh, Beaver Clan. Mm. Uh, my hereditary chief is Hitmas Tsi, and uh, um, I'm 67 years old. Retired now, going on three years. Oh, nice. Um, so I got a call from uh, Elijah uh, Ignatiev yesterday so uh he asked me to talk to you so i agreed right mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. without hesitation because elijah is uh, a facebook acquaintance of mine i've never met him personally mm -hmm. and uh he was mentioning that you wanted to do some uh some things are leading to business plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some legal kind of framework stuff I just need to have an awareness of before I can kind of put a proposal forth because there's some legal stuff I'm not aware of that, that might be relevant. It might not be. I might be out on a limb thinking what I do. And so what I've been doing in the past little bit is going through some of the legal language and trying to familiarize myself with like um, what title means and, and things like that. Um, trying to understand uh, things like the Dolgamuk decision and trying, you know, and, and the undrip decision and how it's, you know, related to all this kind of stuff. So I understand, I'm just beginning to understand what, what legal title means is, is in relations to First Nations legal title claims to, you know, areas and territories in North America. So I'm rusty and I'm not saying I know anything about it, but I've, I've been doing some research. So what I'm asking you today is mostly about some of the legal framework allowed. What is, as far as business, allowed on First Nations territories? And if there is a difference between, for instance, the treaty agreements, because that's the one that would probably be the one relevant to what I'm talking about, to other territories like the Niska and so forth, if they have special legal considerations in regarding to 
how the taxes work. I know that when you work on a reserve, if your status, the taxes you pay come back to you at the end of the year. But I'm wondering about business incentives insofar as do businesses have to pay the same tax when their business is on a First Nations territory and being largely staffed by First Nations uh, employees? That is a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I go get a half a cup of coffee? For sure, yeah. Sorry, it was <laughs> my big spew there. <laughs> Before I start waxing eloquent. There you go. <laughs> How are you, Elijah? <laughs> I'm good. I'm uh, glad to be a witness to this. Hi, hi. I'm glad you uh, really appreciate your help in this. Happen, you know, the some of that kind of stuff is not my specialty, and, and you know some people, so it's good to know that you went out of your way to do this for me. I really appreciate it. Hi, hi. Um, let's see. Where should I start? Uh, The um, there's no one size fits all mm -hmm. answer to your question. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm trained, uh, not really formally trained, but uh, I'm I'm a trained negotiator mm -hmm. in the white system. Mm -hmm. And I was also trained. Uh, in my uh, formative years, I trained myself really by looking at at the uh, chiefs that my dad worked with, mm -hmm. and I figured out how to read people's countenance. <laughs> yeah. So I've read you already, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what I what I see. Mm. I see a young man full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Wanting <laughs> to do some good. <laughs> and uh, my commitment to Elijah comes, rubs off to you. Hey, thank you. And I, I can see a lot of things in your eyes. Hmm. And uh, I clue in right away when you say that you were adopted. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of layers of hurt in you. Hmm. So um, as we move forward, the energies in our heart center must be connected mm -hmm. to the love frequency of the all that is. Mm -hmm. We cannot allow the, the hurt that has built up over centuries of time as uh, a resulting from how we've been mistreated, mm. um, separated from our birthright mm. to benefit from the extraction of resources from our portion of Mother Earth. Mm. If we continue to do the, uh, the judgment, the blame, game. Anything we do won't succeed. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm looking at how we can do business in our homelands. 
from the perspective of inclusiveness mm -hmm. to include as many of our people as we can mm -hmm. and the uh, the people who are as uh, what's his name again it's what he said in one video you are still guests in our homelands mm -hmm. and we're still your hosts mm -hmm. that was Bo Dick he passed away beautiful man I met him quite a few times yeah he was a friend of a friend of mine and I only met him once at Musqueam I dated his daughter for a bit. <laughs> oh no! So um, when you go when you go back to your, uh, maybe we can talk more about that when we meet in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always better to meet in person. I agree. Yeah, this is new to me. It's my second Zoom call ever. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you go back to legal aspects I got I got called to be speaker for our hereditary chiefs mm. and uh, I'm a former chairman of the highest uh, treaty negotiating team oh so we negotiated with the federal government mm. negotiators they called them chief negotiators I was just chairman of our treaty team mm. Uh, and uh, the negotiators for the province. Mm -hmm. So when we when we got into it, they put something on us called, uh, which I later called the burden of proof. Mm -hmm. They wanted us to come up with a use and occupancy study mm -hmm. to satisfy their requirements mm -hmm. that we prove that we actually lived on and used the ancient territories. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We complied because we were, in our mindset, we were heavily colonized. Mm. Um, so we had no proper response. Mm -hmm. um, I was chairman for eight years. So after that eight years, when my position was ter terminated by young whippersnapper political types, Mm -hmm. um, I learned that uh, the burden of proof really rightfully belonged in the provincial and federal arena. Mm -hmm. We yeah. do not have to prove that we exist mm -hmm. because we've always been here and everybody knows it. Yeah. Hey, hi. So so it comes down to paperwork. Mm -hmm. Bureaucracy, yep. <clears throat> so um, I coined, uh, I, I sent a notice to, on behalf of Hamas Wakas, the headman of the Heisler Raven plant. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sent that notice to uh, the Privy Council, the Governor General, and the Prime Minister, mm -hmm. and others, the Queen. And it was an affidavit claiming our territory under my PSAW signature and that of Hamas Wackes. Oh. And when you when you do anything in the maritime jurisdiction, mm -hmm. which is Canadian Canadian uh, legal system, mm -hmm. 
maritime law. When you do anything there, if you do it in a certain way, it's called crossing the bar. And as soon as you do that under your birth certificate name, then you're agreeing to their jurisdiction over you. Mm-hmm. So we had to learn how to approach them with our uh, standing mm-hmm. on our land under custom law. Mm-hmm. And that's using our language and our feast hall names. Mm-hmm. Because it has significance with respect to the uh, two-row wampum belt of the Iroquois. Mm-hmm. Where there is a, an agreement that still stands in international law that says uh, we shall walk together mm-hmm. on two paths and never the twain shall meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was uh, spelled out in the uh, Royal Proclamation of 1763. Mm-hmm. And that, that proclamation was written to govern the actions of settlers in our homelands. It, it's not our document, mm. but in there it says that they have to respect our original title to our lands. Mm-hmm. So when I when I sent my affidavit under the uh, title of Hamas Wakas, I gave them ten days to respond if they believed they they had a stronger claim to our territory than we did, mm-hmm. and that they must do it in writing, signed in blue ink, mm-hmm. which blue ink has implications with respect to the International Bill of Rights mm-hmm. document. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were, and we held them to account under threat of perjury. Mm-hmm. So 10 days expired and they didn't respond because they can't. Anyway, that led to an awakening in Canada with respect to uh, what I call the burden of proof. Mm. Um, <clears throat> let's see the that uh, some people call it the deed. They, mm. They've got no deed. So mm. one one young, I knew my ideas were coming full circle when this young fellow stood up in front of Justin Trudeau in in uh, Kamloops Mm. and he asked uh, Trudeau three times which has universal law implications Mm. can you produce a deed of title (laughs) and Trudeau ignored him (laughs) three times which under universal law it has to do with uh, uh, let's see what's the term again culpability Mm. um they, they maintain uh, their ability to deny uh, their responsibility for breaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called plausible deniability. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the fourth time, this young fellow asked Trudeau, do you, do you have a deed of title? Trudeau's response was, and I, I listened to it carefully, and he said, I do not have a deed of title on me at this time. That's what he said. He didn't outright say, yeah. we don't have a deed of title because we don't have title. Exactly. <laughs> That's what he meant. Yeah. So in my, and all this will lead up to how, how we can approach 
our business development as we move forward from a position of sovereignty mm -hmm. as opposed to applying for a license to do business yeah. from maritime entities. Yeah. So um, let's see. Um, uh, when you when you look at uh, different forms of title. I looked at the term and uh, uh, understanding terms mm -hmm. like Aboriginal title. I never called myself Aboriginal, so I started pointing it out. I looked at Black's Law Dictionary and what does ab original mean? Mm. Ab is a suffix or a prefix that means used to be in in their language. Oh. So I, cool. I, I told Indian Canada, we have to stop agreeing with their term that we used to be original, but mm. we're not anymore. <laughs> So I said, you, you got to start using the term original title. Mm. So I coined that right from my house here. It went right across the nation. Original title. Original title. I, I, so, now, so now when you look at the Privy Council, who holds the power for the Queen in Canada from an administrative perspective, yeah. they can never claim to have legal title in their in their system because they do not have a signed document in blue ink from our matriarchs and our hereditary chiefs saying that we give them our land or they took our land in any way shape or form they don't have it mm. so all they can claim is uh let's see uh what is that called again there's legal title and uh Oh, the term escapes me. I'll, I'll think of it as we go along. Mm -hmm. um, uh, equitable. Yeah. They give themselves equitable title. And the reason they, they can only do that because of the paperwork I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So as uh, equitable title holders of our home, homeland, they can only be trustees. Mm -hmm. That's what equi equitable title means. Mm -hmm. They they've given themselves an equity in our lands and resources mm -hmm. under the, the 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 legalities of trusteeship. Mm -hmm. So they're trustees of our homeland, and uh, as trustees, there has to be a trustor. And who is the trustor? You and I. Hey. hey. <laughs> so when, when there's a trustor trustee relationship. The trustor can always fire the trustee. Mm -hmm. And that's what my paperwork did. Mm. We told them, thank you for taking care of our lands all these hundreds of years. Mm. We no longer require this, this trust. You as a trustee, you're released from your duties. <laughs> and any continuance of your attempt under equitable title to continue to uh, uh, lord your equitable title over our land, us, our lands and resources will now be considered uh, trespass. <laughs> and uh, and uh, genocide. Mm. So they're on the bubble. So so how did how did Trudeau respond to our paperwork? 
and this is this is how they they respond when they when they get cornered. Mm. They change their relationship with us. They split the Department of Indian Affairs into two. Yeah. Into two. That was a direct result of my affidavit. So the um, they now have uh, the branch which they've always had. They call it a different name now, which manages uh, the uh, Indian Act mm -hmm. administrative relationship under their 21 business lines with 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 uh, bank councils in Canada. Yeah, they got rid of INAC, right? That was INAC was previous to that. Now it's something else. Yeah. So they see the the other branch deals with the uh, uh, original title issues. Mm. So the, so now so now we have a basic understanding of how we're relating to these mm. guys. Mm. Um, so that uh, that uh, brings us to a. Uh, uh, our original title. Mm -hmm. We've now we've now released them of their trusteeship duties under equitable title, and now what do we do with what we've given ourselves? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've just given we've just given ourselves sovereignty over our own lands. Mm -hmm. So now now the uh, the ball is in our court. Mm. We have become our own worst enemies. Hey, hey. So um. Some people call it the crab syndrome, yeah. scratching and clawing to keep keep each other's down. Yeah. We're worried about who's going to be the big leader, yeah. who is going to be the big kahuna. Frogs in the pail, right? <laughs> yeah. So so we have to learn how to release that negativity because mm -hmm. there's nothing stopping us now but yeah. ourselves. That's it. And that's always been that way, truthfully. We're just waking up to these truths now, the truths about what's actually going on and, and one of the things I'll share with you is I was at a treaty uh, youth and elder treaty gathering a, a number of years ago in the treaty eight territory I'm from. And our treaty was signed in 1898 and, and most of it was fall, signed under false, you know, in, under duress and false pretense and things like that. A lot of coercion and intimidation to get those treaties signed in a certain timeline. But one of the things that was brought up was, you know, someone asked, why didn't, we fight like why didn't we just fight them they weren't that strong at the time and this elder said the response was the elders at the time said not to fight them because if you our warriors go and if we fight them and even if we band together to fight them um they're going to end up killing all of us until there's none of us left and then they'll take it all anyways so they said to the warriors to calm their fire, they said, just stay and learn, just learn from them, learn their ways, learn their rules, learn their laws, and start using those laws against them. And that's exactly what's going on right now. These, you know, lawyers, are the new warriors of, of the future, right? And we're getting some amazing legal representation and legal, you know, uh, in, investigation into exactly what's going on and what we can do about it. And I'm really excited to be talking to someone who's a, a key person in that process. It's really honor. And I raise my hands to you in a good way. Hi, hi. You know. Okay. So getting on to, uh, <laughs> I think you mentioned Delgamu. Mm -hmm. uh, the Kitsan are, are to the north of us. And I have friends over there. Um, when you look at the, Canadian legal system and their so-called big Indian court case decisions. There's the Delgamuk and recently the Williams case mm -hmm. out of Chilcotin 
Yeah. When you read that from a, a position of sovereignty and uh, the recognition that the crown never decides against itself. Mm. It never decides against its standing as equitable title holders. The court system is created by the political system. So they ain't never gonna give you justice in their, in their court system. So when you look at it from that perspective and you, you uh, go right down to the nitty gritty of those legal decisions and actually read it from my perspective, it's a non-judgment. It's a, they're basically, they're saying in both those court cases, we hear your arguments, your arguments are valid, but we cannot rule in your favor because we'll be going against the crown that drives us. Mm. Therefore, this court case is rightfully a political process. You must go back into the political process. Then when you go into the political process, the politicians will say, no, we cannot make, make a political decision to give you your land back and your legal title back because that rightfully belongs at the Supreme Court. Mm. So they play political football with this issue yeah. and they leave us hanging. Mm. So that's why my paperwork style is so key. Mm. We must create our own system outside of their system from a legal perspective. Yeah, and uh, right now, there's, there's a difference between public law, which is Delgamuk and uh, others, mm. and there's private law, which my paperwork comes under. Uh -huh. And that private is uh, it's called the notarial process. Mm. You don't really need to understand the notarial process to, to file a, a claim. Uh, and give them 10 days to respond. You can. You, you don't need a notary. You can do that with two witnesses and it becomes equivalent to a notary document. And in their own system, um, uh, when we go through, we get a judgment by Estoppel. It can never go into, into their court system again. Mm. So, so my paperwork that I have is a final ruling and a final judgment that we have absolute legal title to our original home, homelands now. So the more people that can figure that out and, and jump in there, mm. you can start expanding. That's so that, that's, what, uh, that's what I intend with my work with a couple of guys in Vancouver to, to build on this. Yeah. And I have contacts right across uh, Canada. So uh, that answers your your. Uh, how we move on on the uh, legal side with respect to those yeah. those legal so-called legal decisions. Yeah. Thank you very so, much. So now, those twenty-one business lines that we were negotiating, mm. one of them is banned membership. Um, they absolutely refused to move on uh, relinquishing their control of band membership so when when a baby is born the uh the mom and the dad are coerced to believe that it's their responsibility to register our indian baby indian babies in the british columbia department of vital statistics mm -hmm. and that uh, 
we must get a, a long form and a short form birth certificate. Mm. Birth. In other words, our babies are born dead. Mm. Dead on the water in under maritime jurisdiction. Yeah. They're birthed like a ship, yeah. a membership or a citizenship. Oh. We become, we basically give our babies away to provincial jurisdiction at the moment of, of the signing of those documents. Mm. For example, my birth certificate says Morris Edgar Amos. Mm. That's not who I am. I am Giltamai of the highest of beaver clan. Hey. That's what you call sovereignty. So um, all you have to do is look at the Ministry of Child and Family Services uh, to get the gist of what I'm saying. Mm. They they can take your child away if I file a, an official complaint against your parenting style. Mm. And they can do that using their court system mm. and the RCMP. And there's nothing our, our people can do about it. That's what I call institutionalized genocide. Absolutely. It's ongoing as we speak. I, I, I'm so, a um, myself, you know. I yeah. Been away from my mother by the social service, Catholic social services at the time, and uh, given up for adoption and, and never went back. But, you know, I've seen it happen. My own sister was talking about some of this stuff that, Things like when you get a sin number, it's like a corporate entity. Your sin number, you know what I mean. Your your what that actually is and what it means on a birth certificate and your sin number. It's pretty heavy, and most people don't understand. You know, like what that claim is. <clears throat> okay, so uh, I studied the work of Meredith Quinn, mm. and uh, he gave his information to uh, Lester House of uh, Alberta Rocky Mountain House. Mm -hmm. And he talks about uh, signatory. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we want to do business from a sovereign perspective, which is our uh, right, mm -hmm. we have the right uh, to do business from our own homelands without interference as per the uh, uh, Royal Proclamation. Mm -hmm. It's our land, it's our resources, and we have the right to uh, do business with it. Mm -hmm. So uh, you cannot do it under the Indian Act. Mm. You cannot do it under the Bank Council. Yeah. You cannot do it with your birth certificate mm -hmm. or your social insurance number mm. unless you get licenses from them. So they, they take away our, 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 our rights, our freedoms to, to use our land and resources the any way we want. Mm. And then if we want to exercise those rights that they've taken away, we have to pay for it to get that right back. Mm. So now to understand how we're sovereign and to become signatory, then we need to teach ourselves how to empower ourselves to do business in our own homelands with the least amount of pushback and interference from the new world order bo corporate boys. Hey. <laughs> yes. so, um, so I would say let's look for those areas where we have the remnant uh, hereditary system in British Columbia mm. and uh, begin issuing ourselves uh, uh, documents mm -hmm. that uh, we can produce 
uh, when we get challenged on on doing business. Approve the way they like to control precedent. Uh, precedent, right? So yeah, we have precedent, and that they have to play by our system, not the other way around, because that other system is it's a conflict of interest, really, on their part, you know, and and it, it ends up kind of uh, hog tying us when we try to proceed on anything. So we got yeah. to go beyond that system and into a new way of seeing things. You know? Yeah. So uh, let's take salmon for an example. If mm. I catch a hundred salmon and I want to go and market it in the market square, mm. uh, Canada, British Columbia will come to me and say, do you have a license to do that? Mm -hmm. Say no. And they say, well, you have to contact Health Canada to, pro Health Canada to protect the, the health interests of mainstream society because we don't want you selling rotten product. So that's how they restrict us. And that's how they have restricted us and kept us down from doing our share of the business in our homeland mm -hmm. all these hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. The poverty in Indian country is not our own doing. Mm -hmm. It's institutionalized. Hey. They foisted poverty upon us on purpose. Yeah. So when we take that away and we start doing business, guess what's going to happen? We are going to flourish to an extent where we'll, we will be above and beyond the uh, Arabian countries who take a shit in golden toilets <laughs> and uh, Water. drink out of golden faucets. Water is going to be our key in the very near future and getting control of our waterways and those, you know, all those things that's in our territories is going to be a big thing in the near future. You know, it, it's, I just see it as being one of those really important issues is, is you know, ownership of our resources and, and, and working within our, our own groups to, to work with those resources in a way that doesn't, you know, because I'm sorry to say this, but I, sometimes I have a problem with sometimes there's businesses that just repeat the same thing, but you're doing it from, a, from this perspective instead of this one, you know? No, we don't yeah. want to do that. We don't want to repeat those things. We want to do businesses, but we also want to respect our homelands. We want to respect the resources and make things sustainable and long-term for us, you know? Yeah, so so from from from, from this as a, what we've talked about so far as a foundation, mm. like I said, the ball is clearly in our courts. What do we make of this now? How do we organize ourselves regionally and provincially from a, a business and political, social, economic perspective. How do we do that? Mm. So now think of it like a, a chunk of plasticine. Mm. We can mold it any way we want. Mm. So um, the membership issue, if we, if we set up a virtual uh, society for ourselves to begin with and, uh, and put what I've said down in writing, and uh, and begin offering membership. I don't like that word ship. Just offering uh, inclusion mm. into into the uh, into the dream, mm -hmm. and uh, begin providing a service. Mm. Then we set the groundwork for uh, increased organization. Mm -hmm. We have to organize. We have to organize ourselves because. One little James Waters can easily be grounded mm. uh, on his his citizenship, mm. but if you have a thousand James Waters all doing the same thing, it becomes eminently more difficult for them to uh, continue to suppress, oppress, uh, depress, regress us. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, um, so that's what I'm looking at to uh, to increase the the uh, uh, the inclusion of more and more uh, uh, indigenous peoples from all across BC into a virtual society that we can build on, mm. all pursuing the same uh, the same goals. Mm. And uh, make ourselves a force to be reckoned with from that perspective. Hey, hey. yeah. I, I see you in a in a way where it's by changing how we play the game. You know how we go about uh, representing ourselves to the world stage because essentially that's what we we want to be doing. We don't want to be under this subservient situation we find ourselves in. We want to be as independent sovereign nations representing ourselves to the world is in inviting uh, foreign investment that's willing to work with us, not dominate us. Do you know what I mean? But willing yeah. to protect our sovereignty in our homelands and willing to work with us because under our own guidelines, we can make things very lucrative for foreign investors to come in and work with first peoples. If we set the guidelines for that and not play under the guidelines they've laid out, you know? And so, um, so now I've, I've basic, basically given you a foundation of, of my my knowledge of where I come from in a in a really short and concise. I'm I'm able to deliver this from memory mm. because I've con constituted uh, uh, constituted this in my subconscious mind from years of study. Mm. And it, it's difficult. People can hear what I say, but if I challenge you to go up to a, a big group tomorrow. And repeat what I said. Mm. I, I don't know if you'd be able to do that. Yeah. Hopefully you would. Mm. But anyway, um, Elijah mentioned that you may have access to pools of funds. Yeah. Or you're looking to access it. Yeah, I, I'm in an entrepreneurship program that's through the University of Victoria and the Songhees First Nations. And it's a federal funded program and they've kind of gone out of their way a couple of times to let us know how they're really well funded. And when it comes to networking and all this stuff, I saw an opportunity to maybe present this idea that I had and, and I did. And, and I actually asked ahead of time about um, non-disclosure and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, we, you know, these meetings were recorded. So I said that constitutes agreement, like all that kind of stuff. But I didn't want to just throw ideas out that someone might snag and, and whatever the case is. And I wanted to test the group out and see who everyone was. But the idea that I put forth was it's a food initiative I call the greenhouse effect. And the idea, it's an agricultural initiative that starts with producing food on, on, on First Nations territories and distributing it to the territories ourselves and bypassing any current transport, you know, companies but creating our own opportunities for things like a small example would be vertical farming it's a new thing now it's producing amazing results it's low maintenance it doesn't require a lot of uh, uh, manpower but it yields a high product level of really good clean food for instance like lettuces and salads and stuff for instance that particular thing could be used to feed locals but any excess could be sold to the open market the returns from that could be used in further investment to build another greenhouse somewhere else. So another territory does the same thing. And pretty soon when you have enough, you can start specializing. This reserve specialized potatoes, this one's carrots, this one onions, this one's herbs, and we're shipping them back and forth. And excess would go to 
grow more greenhouses and also to put in a fund for educating our own people instead of relying on the government education for for putting our own kids through school we can have a fund to do that ourselves and then you know a third fund would just be going back to the communities these businesses are in so that the communities can get a chance to take care of some of their infrastructure needs and things you know water and, and electricity and roads and things like that and we do it ourselves without any reliance on anything else. And when international business sees what we're doing and likes it, then they're going to want to work with us more because we're, we can offer better incentives and, and becomes more lucrative for them to, to bring businesses that we agree with on our territories to do business with us. And it just starts with one territory doing exactly what you said, claiming that, that, in, that title and then claim to doing business on the land, you're legally allowed to do whatever the hell you want on le legal title land, you know, and if you want to do business, then do business and just, you know. Yeah. So I've, uh, and I know that uh, Capilano, mm -hmm. the Squamish first nation, first nation, uh, what's his name? Gibby Jacobs mm. is doing something. He's got this massive technology, and they've got contracts with uh, uh, what, are, what do they call those uh, those stores in Vancouver that sell herbalist herbal stuff, mm. and they're, they're doing massive business. And he was saying uh, the company moved from BC to New York as their headquarters. He mm. was saying they could grow all of British Columbia's uh, lettuce products mm -hmm. in just one facility. So you know uh, the Inu, Inuit, they have horrible problems with uh, transportation costs. So uh, I've been thinking of how we could assist them by uh, teaching them to grow uh, the products that they require right in right in the north. Mm. You, you can grow these products with technology we have today. You can grow these products anywhere and remove shipping costs. That's it. That's the key. Huh? So, um, you know, that's food sovereignty right there. That's it. And there's different, different aspects to it, to sovereignty. Food is one of them. Shelter is another one. And uh, clothing, food, shelter, and clothing. When, when we get back to providing that for ourselves, then we'll really be sovereign. That's Maslow's pyramid of needs, you know, and just use that as the guideline for our people, like, you know, making sure we have food, making sure we have clean water, making sure we've got clothing and housing and things. These are all, these are vital things for us to take sovereignty over, to take ownership over and responsibility over because we're responsible for each other. And that's something that maybe has been forgotten is that that responsibility to each other. And so, you know, why should I want my kids to be fed and healthy, but not their kids, someone else's kids to be fed and healthy? Yeah. So uh, this, this is a good start. Uh, mm. So what I'm going to do right now as the announcer, uh, White Eagle Wing Medicine Man. Mm. I can't remember what other title I've been given over the years. Mm. So I'm going to, based on what I've heard from you, I'm going to promote you. Oh, You are now Director of Food Sovereignty, British Columbia. Oh, wow. Sovereign Nations. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so we'll continue to collaborate. For sure, I really would like that. Build on your build on your uh, ideas, mm. and uh, there's lots of people that uh, I could put you in touch with. 
mm. from the sovereignty movement from all over. Yeah. Haida Gwaii, Simshians, Tautan, Gitsan, wow. Wet'suwet'en, Carrier. Haida Gwaii. Yeah. Well, some people up there. I lived there for a bit. It's beautiful up there. Yeah, I know they're they're high chief. Mm. We're uh, we're competitors from young for young women from years and years back. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is a good start. Uh, from what you what you asked for, I think I addressed everything that you did, and and way more than I could have asked. It was really well done. I just want to share with you one thing that. Uh, relates to what we were just saying. In my language, the name I was given is which means Red Thunderhawk Man. And that's the name that was given to me by my elders in, in, in ceremony and in a good way. And I've carried it and don't share it with very many people because it's a pretty private and special thing for us where we're from. So I share that with you a good way and thank you for sharing your name and your story with me and your knowledge. It's really really, really touched me and I've got a lot to chew on and I'm really glad I've found an ally and someone I can talk with and maybe learn some more things from you because I feel like I have a lot to learn. So, hi, hi. Yeah, okay. So, I think that's enough for, for today. Hey, hey. Um, yeah, there's there's lots more to it that, that uh, I haven't even talked about uh, the spiritual side of what I'm doing spiritually mm. since January 1st of this year. The, the whole thing has been released to us. Mm -hmm. uh, I can talk more about that in, the, in our next go round. For sure. Okay, that's that's a, a wrap from from my my side. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't drink beer anymore, so uh, I can't even charge you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe what you can do is. Uh, 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 a little to balance balance this. You know, put a little tobacco or something, I will or see. even a leaf or something, into the ground, into yeah. into Mother Earth. Well, and uh, just uh, because in our in our feast hall, uh, the most important uh, thing is to balance things, mm -hmm. is to give thanks and uh, to uh, give a blessing. And to be in perpetual gratitude for what you have. So when we when we are in gratitude for what we have, we're already wealthy. Mm. We don't need any more. Mm. Anything else that comes to us is over and above what we need, and then we could give it away. That's the great law of the giveaway. Uh, greed is the is the most. Uh, negative emotion that's governing humanity right now hey. this pyramid system that they have mm. so we're working for the people at the bottom of the pyramid mm. to make sure that the, the needs of every member of humanity is taken care of and the, the system we have now uh, only those at the very top of the Ponzi scheme pyramid are benefiting and they're hoarding greedily hoarding wealth to the detriment of little children who are starving in third world countries. And the work that we're doing will be aimed at ending that system, mm -hmm. our own system, led by our, our uh, original peoples of Turtle Island. 
that we're gonna we're about to change things using love as our, our, our modus operandi, our MO. Mm. So with that, it's a wrap. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Morris. Thank you. Thank you. Great to see you. Thank you.